And so what we're doing is we're taking a, a journey over the next few weeks with um, Abram. Someone say Abram. Abram. And uh, he is considered the father of faith. And he is the progenitor of Christianity, um, Islam, and Judaism. We'll get to that more as we journey through the series. But a phenomenal historical figure. Actually, when we get to heaven, I'd encourage you uh, to get in that line to meet him. It's going to be a long line. So I can't wait to, to I see it as like a theme park. You know what I mean? It's like, where, where's the David part? And OK, we're going to go anyway. So um, it's going to be great. So give him a hug because um, it's it's his faith that God put in the scripture to encourage our faith. And uh, he had he had great promises from God. But the first the first manifestation of that promise came 25 years after the Lord gave him that promise. So it teaches us a little bit about persevering and consistence and growing in the things of God. So we dropped off last week. We left Lot, Abram's nephew, in Sodom. And um, hence, since that time, uh, Sodom, the king of Sodom has collaborated with four other kings in the area to attack the head king of the area in which the head king has three kings on his team. So five kings are rebelling against four kings. The four kings win the battle. And so in the process of winning the battle, they uh, take hold of Lot and his family and all of his possessions, and uh, Lot is captive. One of Lot's uh, men get to Abram, and they tell him, um, Lot has been captured, so on and so forth. So the Bible says that Abram gathers 318 men, say men, men. 318 men born in his household. And um, Abram was a man of God, a man of faith, had amazing business acumen, was a genius. He was also a, a military strategist. And so he was just a man's man. And, uh, he, you know, that, that, that gives me encouragement because... Uh, in order to love God, you don't just have to be, you know, locked up somewhere in an office praying all day, but you can actually be well-rounded as an individual. Yeah, yeah. And Abraham was that. He was well-rounded. And so the Bible says that they attacked by night, and they were able to save Lot, his family, get all the people of those lands, and come back home. In the process of going back home, uh, Abram uh, meets with King Bera, who is the king of Sodom, and another king meets with Abram in King's Valley. Bera means burn, if you're taking notes. And Sodom represents the world system, the values of the world. And so we're going to pick it up there. And um, before we read the scripture, go ahead and uh, repeat these words. Um, say, my heart is open. My, heart is open. my mind is ready. To receive a word, receive a word from, heaven. from heaven. Great. So we're not wasting anyone's time. We're, we're going to get something from heaven today, correct? It's gonna, can we put our hands together? We're going to get something. We're going to get something. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 14, verse 17 is where we'll pick it up. After Abram returned from his victory over Kedolomar and all his allies, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, and the priest of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed, someone say blessed, blessed, blessed Abram with this blessing. 
Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth. Someone say tenth. tenth. Of all the goods he had recovered. And so that's Old Testament pre-birth of Jesus. We're going to go to Hebrews, which is post-resurrection of Christ and ascension into heaven. So Hebrews was written some years after Christ went back to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father where he currently is. Hebrews 7, we don't know who the author is. We can ascertain Paul or Timothy or Barnabas. We don't know. Um, many scholars believe it could have been Paul. However, it's the word of God. So it says this here. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. When Abram was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth, someone say a tenth, of all he had captured in battle and gave it to, to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice, and king of Salem means king of peace. Here it is. This, this is where, when I was starting out in my faith, my mind was blown. Verse 3. I'm like, what? This is so cool. It says this, there is no record of his father or mother, or any of his ancestors, beginning or end of his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. So who is this Melchizedek? All right, go ahead and write this down. Melchizedek means king of justice. It won't come up on the screen. Uh, king of justice or king of righteousness. In the area of Salem, the word Salem means peace. Salem is ancient Jerusalem. All right, so we have a, a king of righteousness. And we understand that when you come to Christ by faith, God imputes the righteousness of Christ on your life. We know that Jesus was sinless. The Bible says we all fall short of the glorious standard of God. We are sinners. He was sinless. He is the king of righteousness. Yes. All right. And then the Bible calls him through Isaiah 700 years before his birth. Um, everlasting God, wonderful counselor, you know, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In order to be a prince, your father must be a king. So Abram being the pioneer, the first patriarch of the faith, does not have a pastor. He does not have a Bible. He does not have a John 3.16. He does not have a Jesus that's hung on the cross. Hence, Melchizedek brings him as a gift, bread, which represents the body of Christ, Right. By his stripes, we are healed. Right. So when you come to Christ in faith, what is yours is wholeness, a wholeness in your spirit, a wholeness in your mind and a wholeness in your body. 
And then he brings him wine, which represents the blood of Christ, which was shed on the cross for my forgiveness and for your forgiveness. So whenever Jesus shed his blood, the judgment of God was appeased. Therefore, we don't have to go to hell because Jesus already experienced it for us. All we have to do is give our faith to Christ and our next step after death is heaven. I think we should stop right there and just praise God for Christ. All right. So what we have here, many scholars believe and agree, especially according to Hebrews, because Hebrews is the word of God, that uh, uh, Abram is experiencing what's called a theophany, a theophany. This is a physical manifestation of the presence of God, which is extremely fitting for a man starting such a great movement that exists to this day. Yes, we're in this room for Christ, but if there's no, watch this, this is, so, this is how powerful uh, what God did through Abraham was. If there's no Abram, there is no Christ. Because it was Abram that God chose to start the process of bringing Christ into the world. So this is Christ coming to Abram and saying, don't give up. I know you're going somewhere you've never gone before. I know there is no Bible, but I am with you. I am going to do it. Come on now. I love you and I'm for you. And I feel like when we're walking with God, we can feel that way a lot, right? Like, what am I, where am I going? What am I doing? I believe in this thing that God has put on my heart, but how in the world is he going to do it? And it's in those seasons where we need a visitation from God himself. So Melchizedek is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. Because in Bible times, you could not be a king and a priest. Only God can be that. So Melchizedek was king and priest of Salem. And he comes to, this is so important, go ahead and write this down. Melchizedek confirms blessing. It won't come up on the screen. Confirms blessing over Abram's life. Whenever Moses came around 400 years after Abraham and established the Levitical priesthood, the Levitical priests never confirmed blessing. They conferred, meaning they bestowed blessing on people for a future time. The difference between Aaron and the Levitical priesthood versus Melchizedek is that Melchizedek confirmed that Abram was already blessed. Right. So he wasn't saying, may you be blessed or you will be blessed. No, I'm telling you because I am God that you are blessed. All right. And that even though God has been faithful to you in the past, here it is. This is so key for you to get. Even though God has been faithful to you in the past, God will physically materialize all of his promises for you in this lifetime. So whenever you're reading scripture, let me give you a Bible study tip. Never detach your life from the life of the historical figure. Allow yourself to enter into the story. And whenever you're reading the story, you can read, blessed be Joshua by God almighty. God most high, creator of heaven and earth. It is only then when your faith connects with the word of God and heaven begins to move in your favor. So it is very important to see yourself in the text when you're reading the scripture. And he said this here, Genesis 14, 19. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. 
and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. God most high in the Hebrew is El Elyon, L-E-L space E-L-Y-O-N, El Elyon, God most high. Abraham had never heard of this term before. He knew he was following God, but maybe he didn't know that he was trusting in the creator of heaven and earth. Riddle me this. Where does all of our material blessings derive from? Your clothes, your body, your bones, your blood, electricity, rubber, shelter, wood, food. It derives from either, here it is, the dew of heaven or the soil of earth. Everything that God blesses you with, he set in motion in creation. So what Melchizedek was coming to make Abram aware of is that you don't have to depend on Bera in the world system of Sodom. You are not blessed by the world system. You're blessed by the creator of heaven and earth. And he is with you. And his resource never runs dry. Mm, man, man, man. I want to go home and read by myself. This is so good. And it says, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. All right. And so we're seeing Abram right now. Promises and Ur, Genesis chapter 12, right? Uh, Provision in Egypt, Genesis 13. We're seeing the people and the plunder of Canaan, Genesis 14. We're seeing Abram up, up, bless, 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 up, 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 up. So as I was reading and studying for the text, I said, okay, God, when are we going to make the turn? What what is the takeaway? What what are you trying to show us here? All right. What God is trying to show us, and then we're going to start getting practical, is, is that Yes, Abraham is experiencing blessing. Watch this, and this is what Abraham realized. But he is also undergoing testing. So God is blessing Abraham. You got to catch this. But at the same time, he's testing Abraham. For why did Abraham give Melchizedek 10%? For what? what? We don't, Moses is not born. There's no law. There's, there's no pastor. There's no one saying, bring your tithe. Why in the world did he give Melchizedek 10%? Because he had a revelation that God is testing me. Yes. And the number 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. Riddle me this. How many commandments are there? Hmm. How many plagues did Egypt have to endure? Ten. How many lepers came to be healed by Christ? How many returned to say thank you? What's the percentage? But what amazes me about Jesus is he said, didn't I heal all ten of y'all? El Elyon. He said, all of them belong to me. I just require you to return 10. What, what, so why did he give him a 10th? What is this tithe? What is this financial stuff all about, Pastor? Well, this is what the Lord revealed is um, in a question form. He said, Joshua, ask yourself and ask the people, how do I respond when increase comes into my life? 
How do I respond when, when, when increase? You know, God opened the door. God gave the job. God gave the spouse. God, God gave the connection. God made the network happen. God, God blessed. God moved. But what do you do even when you don't know scripture? Abraham didn't know scripture either. It was just a conviction in his heart that, man, I think I owe God something. You, you, you know, I, I remember before I came to Christ, I, I don't know if you felt this way, but I used to feel like, man, I, I owe God something. <laughs> Ducking and dodging God. I owe the Lord something. Then when I came to Christ and I learned my Bible, I'm like, whoa, like I'm in a lot of debt with the Lord. <laughs> Y'all be running from the credit card companies. Y'all, <laughs> how, much, how much do you owe the Lord? Half of y'all ain't laughing because you. It's tight butt Sunday. When we talk about money, it's tight butt Sunday. Uh, the money is. Uh, uh, that's funny, but I don't want to laugh. Uh, talking about my money. Here's the takeaway. This is so important for you to understand. Say open heart, open mind. All right, so here it is. God is trying to get you somewhere. God tests our hearts with material wealth. This is important in order to bless us with future increase. And this is what Abraham understood. Had no guide, had no, but he was like, God is giving me this test because of what he's promised me in the future. And if he can trust me with 10% now, I can unlock the treasures of his promise in the future. But if he can't trust me with a little bit now, he won't be able to release what he has for me in the future. So today I want to talk about the increase test and how to pass the increase test. Does anyone want to increase? Do not lie. You, oh, my God. Y'all is too slow. Y'all right? We ought to. Whoa, that was slow. Let's try it again. I want you to almost slap somebody. Don't slap them, though. Don't want to get arrested for assault. Anyone want increase? All right, good, 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 good. All right. Because, listen, I'm not a prosperity teacher, nor am I a poverty teacher, but I am a blessing teacher. And if it's in the Bible, we should unpack it. You understand that? I, I feel like if God can bless Abraham, why can't he bless you? If, if God can bless, you know, why can't he bless you? How, how to pass the increase test? Number one, return the tithe to the Lord. Return the tithe. The word tithe means tenth or 10%. All right, so it says this in Leviticus 27. It says, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. It's set apart. God is saying, all of it belongs to me, but I'm designating 10% of your paycheck belongs to me. Because it's a heart thing. I'm testing your heart with blessing. Okay, harvest, here it is. Harvests are the wages you receive for the work you've done. So if you were to cash your check, um, it's also the first or the best part of your pay. So if you were to cash your check, say you got paid $2,000, God is saying 200 off the top belongs to me. It's the first fruits. It's the best part. All right, so return the tithe. Someone say return. Return. Because I'm not going to give you something because it doesn't belong to me. I'm going to return to you what belongs to you. If you let me borrow your car, I'm not giving you your keys. I'm returning your keys. Now, if I take your keys, that's called stealing. I'll keep moving. 
So a lot of us are stealing from God, but expecting him to relinquish blessing in our lives. Number two, tithing declares that the Lord is the source of all blessing and success. Someone say source. Source. So when I tithe, I'm saying, God, you are the source. All blessing and all success. You're the source. Some people say, well, pastor, I study hard. I pulled all-nighters. I worked hard. I grinded. I stayed pure. I cleaned my life up. Malchizedek will say, well, I gave you the breath. He gave you the strength. He created the pencil. He gave you the paper. He gave you the professor. He gave you the money for the books. He gave you the school. All of that was here before you were even born. So when I tithe, I'm saying, God, you are the source of everything in my life. Because he also said, and blessed be El Elyon, who has defeated your enemies for you. Now he's talking about success because all success is the result of struggle. So Abraham, I know you fought the battle, but I'm the one that knocked down the enemy. I just used you as a tool to do it. So the reason we give it to him is because we say, yeah, we fought, but had it not been for God's grace, we wouldn't have won. Are y'all in here today? Y'all got extra sleep. Man, man, man. I promise if I didn't pastor this church, I would still find a great local church to serve in and give my tithe. I would, I would, I would. Because it's a relationship thing. And it has nothing to do with giving to God to get more. His word says we need to tithe. We need to tithe. Yeah. It's like we trust God with our souls, but man, we go in that baptism water, we pull out that wallet, and we woo! You got wet? Thank you, Lord. Can you hold my wallet till I change clothes? No, when you get baptized, all of you gets baptized. Your body, your heart, your mind, your money, it all belongs to him so he can bless you. Oh, it all belongs to him, man. None of y'all ain't never did. I, I've seen it at other churches. You know, all y'all, y'all, y'all go down. Other churches, other people. Not the online people, other people. Other places. Okay, First Chronicles, got to keep going. I get preaching, I waste time. First Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? <laughs> Everything we have has come from you. And we give only what you first gave us. Everything in your life. I mean, everything comes from the hand of God. The brother of Christ said, all good gifts come from heaven, from the father of lights, who never changes. I mean, I mean, think about it. You sleep and you, you, you turn that pillow around and that pillow is nice and cold. That came from God. <laughs> that came from the Lord. <laughs> Tithing is the greatest expression of my trust in the Lord. There it is. When I tithe, it's an expression of, of, my, of my trust in the Lord. 
All right? So God told me to ask us this. Who do you trust to take care of you financially? Who do you trust? And do you trust self? Do you trust your company or your industry? Do you trust your family? None of those things are bad. None of those things are evil. I think there should be a level of trust, a level of trust in those things. But I want to caution you because at any point, all of those systems, all of those Sodoms could fail. So at a certain point in your life, you got to determine what is my trust in? Is it in your YouTube page or your TikTok or what is your trust in? All of those systems can fail at any point. Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, but blessed are those who trust, someone say trust, in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So, so, so we're not going to put our trust in Bera, because if you go back and you read the text, keep reading when you get home, read all of Genesis 14. Bera is going to come to Abram, like so Melchizedek, there it is, thank you Holy Spirit, gives a gift. And he gives blessing. That's what God does. God, for God so loved the world that he, God is a giver. So in order to become more like Christ, we have to be givers. Bera comes and he says this. He says, give me the people and you keep the stuff. Because the devil always wants the people. Because with the people, he'll rebuild the stuff. So give me the people because I want them. Abraham said, you can have all of it. But I'm willing to bet that Abram gained more influence because he was the one that God had used to save the people. So the people were like, we don't want to roll with Bear anymore. We want to roll with you. So Abram is like, the reason I'm going to give you everything back, go home and read it, is because you won't be able to say that you are the one who made Abraham rich. I just had an encounter with Melchizedek, and now I know that it's El Elyon who's opening these doors, who's supplying all my needs, who's blessing my family. It's God, creator of heaven and earth. So whenever I tithe, I'm expressing my trust in the Lord. So if it comes out automatically uh, uh, through the online platform or if you sit down and you give, give your tithe here, you writing a check here, I want to encourage you with this. Tithing is also an act of worship. So, so the first level of worship is to come into the corporate space to, 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 to sing and to cry out and to do what we just did. The second uh, level of worship is whatever you do, you worship. At work, you worship. When you, when you bring your tithe, you pause on that Friday, you pause on that Sunday morning, and you sit there for a second, and you pray over that tithe, and you thank God for all he's done, and then you put it in the black box. It's an expression of where your trust is, because any of all of those systems can fail. That's what the battle shows us. Sodom was defeated. That's what the pandemic showed us. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people lost resource, and it all happened in a week. But if you have your trust in the kingdom of God, your resource will never run dry. Can you praise the Lord if God is faithful? Last one, number four. Give to the Lord through your local church. Give to the Lord through your local church. Someone say, my church. My church. church. So if this is not your church, 
give to God through your local church. Wherever you're being fit. So where's my church, Pastor? Wherever you're being fit, wherever you're being encouraged, you're in community, wherever that is, give to God through your local church, okay? Maybe you attend here a lot, but your church home is somewhere else. Give there. And then tell the pastor to send me a thank you card because you... (laughs) I'm trying. Okay. (laughs) Tough crop. Five minutes. All right, let's get home. Okay. All right. Hebrews 7. Go home and read this. Here it is. This is so good. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So this is, this is vital because, yes, the trap that most people fall into is I'm giving it to the church. No, Let, let's, let's read what God said, right? You're not giving it to Chris or Chow or Pastor Joshua or, you know, your pastor. Let's read what God said, okay? In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. So this is something you have to understand about when you give, be it your time, your talent, your treasure. You're not giving it to people. It's actually a supernatural transaction. And you're giving it to Christ. And this is what Christ says. Christ says, I will build my church and all of the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Paul calls us co-laborers with Christ. So Jesus is building the people, encouragement, strength, faith, community, miracles, provision. Jesus is building the church, baptisms, um, city outreach. He's building the church, but our tithe finances the supernatural work. So it's super and natural. You're giving it to Christ. And Abram gave, he said, come on, guys, bring, bring a tenth. He gave it to Jesus. He gave it to Jesus. And it strengthens the work of the Lord through your church. It's too hot to not pay the light bill. (laughs) I got some Snickers over here. (laughs) Somebody got to pay the light bill, right? You know, what about the homeless people that we feed? You know, what about the women who are running from domestic violence? And whenever we deal with a tragedy in our church, we're trying to support our members. Jesus is taking that offering and he's supporting the members of our church. People who can't pay mortgage or rent or medical bills. Jesus takes that and he pays that. He provides that. Right? It says this, Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes, someone say all, to my storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. And then this is what God says, when you do that, if you do that, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. So God is testing Abram, but he's like, I'm the one who really want to be tested because I pass all my tests. Like, so put me 
to the test. And in Malachi 3, 9, it says, and you are under a curse because you won't bring the tithe. The word curse in the Hebrew means lid. So God is saying there are rooms in heaven. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. There are rooms in heaven. And in those rooms, there are future blessings with your name on it be it blessings of peace, blessings of the salvation of your family, open doors. It's not always financial, but it's always something that he's promised you or you're praying for, and your name is on it. What God does is he says, every single time you tithe, I open up a window in heaven and I pour out a blessing. And I actually think this pouring is ongoing. But if you're not tithing, the Bible says that you're under a curse. The word curse in the Hebrew means lid. So riddle me this, if I put a lid on this cup and God pours out a blessing, will it make it into the cup? No, no it'll bounce off and it'll not take ground or take root in my life and it'll dry up. I believe many of us are missing so much breakthrough. So many doors will not open. So many opportunities will not come because we're under the curse of Cain. We're tipping God. And we're sitting here saying, but I can't afford to tithe. It's not an affordability issue. It's a priority and trust issue. That's what it is. It comes out first, 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 right? So we tithe and we budget around the tithe. We don't budget and then say, well, I'll give God 15. Let's remove the curse so that he can pour out a blessing. I love that. Rooms have windows. Rooms have possessions. In heaven, there are rooms that have blessings with with your name on them. Tithing releases those blessings into your lives. That's what he's saying through Malachi. I remember we were, um, we had a great lunch with a couple leaders yesterday. And on the way home, my wife reminded me of our well, specifically my journey in terms of um, finances and, and pay. And she, I, I forgot, <laughs> I forgot, I forgot my first ministerial job. Oh my goodness. I was a youth pastor at a church and I was making $600 a month. And we, had, we were dating and I was embracing Jazil as a son because I would soon ask you to marry me that process had to be had to be settled in my heart God was purifying me I was so broke oh so broke $600 a month first ministry job because I just said yes to the Lord that I was going to go into vocational ministry and not pursue med school and man the the humbling process of greatness and of pioneering I tithe on that $600 a month You were in nursing school. We both lived with our parents. And then I left that church, and the next church paid me $700 every other week. And that was the church where I determined that if I ever led my own church, and if I ever had an opportunity to hire anyone, I would pay them more. Their starting pay would be more than what I got paid at that church, which was about $13,000 a year. 13, 14. When I first came on staff at Highlight, I was $11,000 a year living in North Potomac. And when you talk about the provision of God, 
It's like, how do you live in Potomac? You know? The provision, right? Yeah, it's like, how, that's, hey, you're right, but we, we didn't have credit cards, Harry. It just, it would, it would come from different directions. It was miraculous. He was opening up the windows of heaven because we were moving on a promise that he made in Florida. My wife, as she was working and as the church was growing, she was so tired. And I would say, babe, just because she was as needed. She was being paid $50 an hour, which is great, which was unheard of for a nurse in her position. Um, but I said, babe, just, just call off. You're tired. We're building the church and you're working. You're the only breadwinner. And so I was able to increase, the board increased my salary. And then she did so well, she stewarded the blessing so well that doctors wanted to give her a position that were going to pay her over $100,000 a year. She was going to be like the lead nurse over certain departments without the education. That's El Elyon, right? I was ready to hire her. She was about to make $100,000 at Adventus in Rockville. I brought her on staff for $15,000. It's like we're right back at square zero, but we still tithe. I know what he promised me. I see the 20 locations. I see the thousands of people. But I also know that my tithe is an indicator that he can trust my heart. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. And Jesus only compared one thing to God when he said you cannot serve two masters. Money and God. You have to choose one. And so he put a provision in the scripture to help us. He says, start with 10%. Not five, not six, not seven. You tithe first. You budget from there. Watch God bring resource and people from all over. Come on, church. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to give you these two encouragements. Trust the Lord with your wealth. Trust the Lord with your wealth. Trust the Lord with the conception of that child, with that spouse, your future. Trust him. And you show him tangibly by committing to tithe as long as you live. Commit to tithing as long as you live. It's the increase test. Someone say increase test. Yes, yes, yes. If you've been blessed, let's put our hands together. Thank you, Lord, for your work. Thank you, Lord.